woke corporations that just won't give up the masks and Toronto politics and what it means for the rest of the country. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. Well, friends, you'll notice that the studio is a little bit different today because I'm not in my home studio back in the hinterlands, as David says, of northern Alberta. I'm actually in the Toronto HQ as we're touring our documentary, Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity. So I thought, I'm in the new studio. Why don't I sit down and have a conversation with my friend David Menzies about the things that are happening in Toronto because so goes Toronto, so goes the rest of the country, and so many of the bad ideas that are born in Toronto sort of spill upwards into federal politics and then get imposed on the rest of us. So that's why I care about Toronto's mayor. And then we'll talk about woke companies, woke yes. mom and pop <clears throat> stores, woke corporations that just won't give up the stranglehold on COVID regulations that they haven't. I'm curious to see your ideas about why you think that's happening. So all that is to say, joining me now is my friend David Menzies. Oh, well, thank you, Sheila. <laughs> the hinterland's loss is Toronto's gain. Yeah, I can't wait to get back there. <laughs> the, weather, <laughs> the weather here, as I was just saying to Tamara Ugolini, is oppressive. My hair is a ball of frizz. And uh, it's strange for it to be like a blazing hot, but also simultaneously overcast and and chokingly humid it is different but don't despair uh she devil because that looks like one of those 350 fifty dollar yorkville hairdos you know controlled yet wild oh it's not controlled <laughs> no. no and it wouldn't be so bad but they also took my hair gel at the airport oh no <laughs> so, so i'm a little bit uh i'm not at my best now david i wanted to talk to you about the election of olivia chow yes and you know as albertans you know we think of toronto thinking of itself as the center of the universe, but it really is the center of the universe for politics that spill out everywhere else. For example, Toronto has a gang and gun violence problem. So the liberals have to do something about it or yes. have to pretend to do something about it. So they take the path of least resistance and grab my guns. Yes. <clears throat> um, and now you have a progressive mayor who's more progressive than ever. What can we expect from Olivia Chow? Because like she's an NDP mayor. She's not even a liberal mayor. Yes, I think what we can expect, and I'm praying for Olivia Chow to prove me wrong, right? But I think what we can expect is more so-called safe injection sites. I think we can expect her to turn a blind eye to um, tent cities. After yeah. all, it was her um, former husband, Jack Layton, who was responsible for the enormous tent city going back some 15 years ago in Toronto. It was kind of like, uh, let me take care of things when there was about 12 squatters and then it turned into like a few hundred. If you build it, they will come. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it ain't field of dreams. It's more right. like, you know, garden of nightmares. <laughs> um, and, um, <clears throat> the, uh, so, uh, you know, and she loves tax and spending. One of the candidates I interviewed during the campaign, Sheila, Rob Davis, if you own a car, and or you own a house, Olivia Chow is your enemy. So that is what I'm expecting. Like I said, I want her to prove me wrong. I don't think so. Um, I can tell you 
she hasn't even been sworn in. And on Dominion Day, she was there and in, at Nathan Phillips Square. And instead of celebrating Canada, there was all this, you know, oh, these denouncements. Yeah, colonial, blah, 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 blah. It, 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 it made you ashamed to be a Canadian. So <clears throat> I think with me, and I go back many moons uh, in this city, and I, I did a monologue shortly after um, Olivia Chow was elected for Ezra on his show. Uh, and basically it was this, I was looking at winners and losers. Now, obviously the winner of the mayoral election uh, is Olivia Chow. Uh, she is the new mayor, congratulations, Olivia. Then you got to look at the losers. Well, it's everybody from number two to 102. There was 102 right. candidates. I think you're an Uber loser. And that would be 83 of the candidates if you lost to Molly the dog. Right. <laughs> Molly the dog came in ahead of 83 other candidates. And yet, um, I also look federally, we have the blackface liberals in power. In fact, I don't think there was a single um, conservative 416 area code uh, riding in uh, Toronto. At Queen's Park, we have a progressive conservative premier, Doug Ford. Heavy on progressive. You stole the words yeah. right out of my mouth. Um, you, I mean, one of the platforms they ran on, Sheila, was bringing back normalcy to the sex ed curriculum by the McGinty Wynn liberals. Yeah. It is way worse. And right. you have a milk toast minister of education, um, Stephen Lecce, who literally runs away from yeah. parents. Um, but on the category of losers, you know who else I put on that list? You're looking at him, me. I'm thinking right now, as far as Eastern Canada is concerned, is there any room anymore for a person such as I, um, someone that wants a conservative government, someone that wants a politician that says what he means and means what he says? Yeah. Because even when we have an alleged conservative provincial government, it's anything but the case. Right. It, it is just another shade of liberal. And maybe <clears throat> has the indoctrination, Sheila, has it been so profound and also with the media in uh, on the federal government take that, I mean, they're, they're the, paint, the paid trade train seals. So I have to wonder if um, maybe my beloved city of my birth and my province, it's moved on for people like me. We have to think of going elsewhere. Maybe it's out west because I feel utterly betrayed and abandoned. So what is the problem? Is it that people here sort of east of Winnipeg, do you, do you not even know what it is to be conservative anymore? Is it just that, you know, that the <coughs> mainstream media and the liberals, although I'm repeating myself there, yep. have created this avatar of a boogeyman of what a conservative is in their mind, that it's this racist, radical, homophobic, tire-burning maniac. I'm only a couple of those things and not all of those things. <laughs> um, do they not realize that there's just somebody who generally just wants to be left alone and wants accountable government? Yeah, I think you're right, Sheila. I think, as I say when it comes to the adherence of Marxism or the advertising makers on Madison Avenue, get them young, get them forever. Yeah. And I think it's been a long game, maybe 50 years in the making. Well, China has a 100-year plan. Yeah. You know? It, exactly. And I think it's been a complete, like most of the school boards, as far as I can tell, in Southern Ontario, yeah 
are Marxist um, domains. Right, and it, regardless of religion. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Catholic school board. Just as bad, if not worse. Catholic in name only, you yeah. know. And one of the few wins was the York Catholic District School Board, which voted against um, the uh, raising of the pride flag. Uh, but that was just a two-vote margin. I think it was six to four. Uh, so just barely uh, came through. And believe me, you, that, that battle's not over because the spirit unicorn set, they're going to go to the human rights commissioners who are unelected, non-accountable. And I can see them forcing that upon Catholic school boards. And when they say what else, well, the what else will be your, your public funding is gone. Yeah. That is where the end game is going to be. But um, and when we look at Marxism and people say, oh, well, you know, that's such a gross exaggeration. But I don't think it is. Yeah. It, it, it's beyond uh, left wing or progressive or liberal. That's not harsh enough. And certainly let, let's differentiate between what liberals are today and classical liberals, the right. likes of a Dan McTague, for example. Yeah, or a Dave Rubin. Or, yeah. Exactly. Um, if you're a classical liberal, as the saying goes, you're a conservative Yeah, today. the Overton window has completely shifted. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think the only, so here I painted a picture of doom and gloom and indoctrination where even parents um, are getting locked out and trespassed from school board meetings. It, it, it's just insane. What's the solution? I think, Sheila, the only solution is to take a page from the left and start to indoctrinate all these institutions that have gone so woke, so left. And again, it's not going to happen in five or 10 years, maybe 50 years from now. And so those parents who are right of center, I think you want to raise your children to be that way and to maybe get jobs within the system and be agents for change uh, because that's how the left pulled this off, I believe. That's a great point. Uh, for someone like me, I encourage my kids to just get a trade. <laughs> like don't don't oh. even go to one of those brainwashing factories. But there is something to be said for not walking off the battlefield of ideas and just leaving it to the left. You know, Sheila, you're so right. And I mean, if you go into a university course and you're going to get a major in gender studies, there's only one job that leads to. Teaching gender exactly. studies. Exactly. <laughs> Those jobs. <laughs> but I, I once did a, a book review on, um, it was a book called uh, Blue Collar and Proud of It. Yeah. And it was a gentleman in uh, Massachusetts. And he realized in the first half of the first semester of college, this wasn't for him. So what did he do? Well, um, he got a pickup truck, a trailer, a couple of lawnmowers. And he started cutting grass yep. in an affluent suburb of uh, uh, Boston. Uh, a few years later, guess what? Uh, he's earning millions of dollars, has a staff of 26, I think, um, rolling in money. And I think that one of the roadblocks to kids pursuing the trades it's their parents. Oh, I don't want them working with their hands. Oh, I want a fancy multi-letter, uh, yeah. you know, uh, diploma after their name. But those are not the jobs that are out there. Those are not the jobs that are paying big bucks. I mean, I know a plumber. Uh, yeah, he drives a, a van Monday to Friday. You know his weekend car is? It's a, it's a Porsche 911. Yeah, I'm from the oil patch. You don't have to tell me how you can make a lot of money with your back <laughs> yeah, and your hands there you go. doing hard work. <laughs> I think a lot of it too is, and we'll get back, we'll circle back to Olivia Chow in a second okay. here, but 
a lot of it too is the guidance counselors in high schools. They are shoehorning everybody into university. Yeah. As opposed to the trades. And then we are bringing in immigrants to deal with the labor shortage in the trades. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And, uh, and, and even, I mean, you know, in Toronto, you have multi-generational welfare families. Yeah. And I'm looking at all the roadblocks to getting ahead. Um, so those families would include white families, right? So you can't play the race card. I'm right. discriminated because of race. They're able-bodied. So you can't say, well, I'm in a wheelchair. I've, I've got limited opportunities, perhaps. No, it's just that dad was on welfare and granddad was on welfare. Oh, you're missing something here. Okay. It's not the dad that's on welfare. It's the mom that's on welfare because dad is not in the picture, Good which point. is the number one reason why people languish in poverty. Yeah. Is we incentivize the destruction of the family. Fatherlessness is a huge, it's huge issue that is adversely affecting society. And you can put up all the community centers and basketball courts and hire uh, yep. social workers. It, it will not take the place of having a strong male role model having in the family. Having your parents married is the number one predictor of success. It yes. predicts uh, recidivism rates, criminality, poverty, uh, your ability to graduate high school, to go to post-secondary education. It's if your parents are married. A hundred percent. And and Sheila, you know, and I'm not knocking people when they're down, but welfare is like a temporary thing. Or it was designed right, it's not a that. lifestyle. Yeah, and it wasn't supposed to be a multi-generational lifestyle. Yeah. And I can tell you, um, as I've said to you before, um, my favorite form of exercise is cycling. It's why I'm merely fat as opposed to circus fat. So I when, you're looking good in that new well, suit. Well, thank you. I'm just <laughs> sweating my buttocks off uh, these days. But I go, you know, once you go north of Elgin Mills in um, Richmond Hill, you get into farm company, uh, farm country rather, sorry. And I can tell you what I see. Uh, the people doing the planting and the maintaining of the of the fields and the harvesting, they are from Mexico and the Caribbean. And I'm not knocking these people. In yeah. fact, they work like you wouldn't yeah. believe yeah. out in the sun in unforgiving conditions. My point is, Sheila, if that if we have unemployed people, if we have people on welfare just sitting at home eating chips and watching cartoons, how come we can't get a, a legitimate workfare program in place where a van comes, picks up people, drives them a half hour, in, you yeah. know, north of the city into farm country. And yeah, it's going to be hard work. But, you know, as the saying goes, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed him for life. Mm -hmm. But this is like completely off the table. Why is it off the table? Right. And again, I am not condemning those workers from the Caribbean and Mexico. I mean, the way in which they work is just mm -hmm, fantastic. Mm -hmm. But how do we have right. unemployment and welfare, and yet we have to ship in temporary workers? To me, it doesn't compute. No, it doesn't. And it, it's just active participation in the economy. You and I exchange labor for yes. a paycheck every day for cash. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't we expect somebody else to do that for their paycheck? paycheck? from the government. But I want to circle back to Olivia Chow because okay. that's that's why I promised these people I would talk to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I worry that Olivia Chow is going to hatch more bad ideas mm -hmm. for the liberals. And we're already seeing this with her. First of all, public safety should have been a huge issue in the Toronto election. It really wasn't based on who won. Um, 
And she is pursuing this safe injection idea, uh, which causes just a circle of social decay around these safe injection sites. And as an Albertan, I look at this and I think, where's your evidence to be continuing to do this? And yet, this just happens in progressive big cities all across the world. Yeah, uh, you're, you're so right. And I, I've, I've spoken about when I got to meet uh, Daniel Smith mm-hmm. last back in March at a Toronto business function. She talked about the uh, the Alberta model, which was police going uh, out to these people who are addicts. And, and basically, if they're violent. Yep. And saying, look, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is we're going to put you into this. Uh, essentially, it's a dormitory. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, you're going to get three squares, but, you know, they're, they're going to teach you how to cook, how to shop, because a lot of these life skills are lost they're on gone. these people. Exactly. Or you can go to jail. So they take the dormitory uh, and approach. And still get treatment in jail, though. Yes. Yeah. And But this idea of maintaining addiction, I think that is a progression of cruelty. You know, I I think this is setting up a system, Sheila, where people who are addicted to the most horrible drugs you can imagine. Poison. Poison. It is poison. And tell me, where's the compassion? Where's the love? Where's the outreach in having someone who is seriously addicted? And you know what? Sometimes I'll tell you, the other night I was walking north on Yonge Street from about King uh, to college. And we're talking about this is the area where some nice restaurants, um, playhouses. And it was nighttime. And I'll tell you what I saw. I saw basically it was almost the setting for The Walking Dead. It was people in a zombified condition. I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm just telling you that they were just polluted out of their minds. Uh, I'll tell you another thing I saw. I didn't see a single police constable walking the beat, or for that matter, a a, a cruiser. And I think that is, um, there's a saying cops have called FIDO, it's an acronym, uh, F it, drive on. So in other words, if this looks like trouble, if this looks like this is going to be a situation where the defund the police. This feels like paperwork. Yep, you know. (laughs) Oh, I don't think it's the paperwork. No, I think it is, you know, if they end up in an altercation with a visible minority uh, or a vulnerable person, they've got to deal with the activists now for the crime of saving their own lives. A hundred percent. And I can tell you, back in 1987, Peter Ustinov, he had that famous quote, uh, Toronto is New York as run by the Swiss. Um, that ain't the case anymore. No, no. no it's, uh, it's quickly devolving yep. into Portland. And it pains me to see it because, again, as an Albertan, we're taking a completely different approach. They call it safe supply here. Yeah. In Alberta, our addictions and public safety ministers call this palliative care. Yes. Because you are providing a slow, assured death for the addict. And it's not just about the addict. It's about their families who suffer alongside them. But it's also about the communities. And, you know, we talked about it on the live stream today. We're filming this on Monday. You'll see it on Wednesday, Friends at Home. But we talked about how these safe safe supply sites cause just chaos and violence. It's costing the lives of innocent Torontonians now. Like when a few days ago, a beautiful mother of two young children shot. Um, in Leslieville, which if your audience doesn't know Toronto, it's a pretty gentrified area. And what the media is not covering, Sheila, is the fact that there is a so-called safe injection site. And it looks like 
the speculation that is, is that there was a turf war between the dealers. By the way, in it, even if you support safe injection sites, so-called, um, the idea of putting one next to a daycare center, are, are you out of your minds? Right. And, and that's another thing about these um, sites, Sheila, is that sometimes it's not only the addicts that are just prolonging their death spiral by visiting them, but you have people gaming the system, For sure. claiming to be our addicts, getting the supply, and then selling it, right? I mean, this is madness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the people of Ontario are paying for it all. Like, yep. you are sponsoring drug dealers yep. at this point. I, why do you think public safety wasn't an issue, as as big as it should have been in this election? Do you know it was with the right-of-centre candidates? Oh, for sure I mentioned Rob Davis. Uh, it just and, didn't resonate with the voter, and that I find very confusing, yep. because what's left of the Toronto Sun is just shootings. Yeah, um, and, and by the way, in fairness to Olivia Chow, she wasn't mayor the last eight and a half years. Right. That this is on John Tory, the fake conservative. Right. You know, um, and to the liberals, the liberals also they've reduced mandatory minimum sentences on a whole host of gang-related crimes. Yep. Which will only make it worse. You are one hundred percent right. All ten premiers and the three territorial leaders. Imagine this, Sheila. I mean, it, it's uncanny. Across the board, united. Thirteen out of thirteen, yeah. right, are saying get those bail laws tightened up. Last week, we had a guy, there, there, there was video on the subway, and it's chilling because people are just shooting video or trying to blend into the, the wallpaper. As this young man, he's clearly trained in mixed martial arts. He's using self-defense tactics, which is holding the guy at bay until he pulls out a knife and multiply stabs him. Oh you know. And guess what? When they catch this guy, um, this animal. As long as he didn't honk his horn, he should be out that Oh, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess what? He is out on bail. Of course he is. You know, and, and he is so brazen in breaking so many bail conditions, and he doesn't care. Yeah. I, I wonder right now, as we talk, is he back out on bail? So, yeah, you have 13 out of 13 saying do something about it. There is something about the blackface liberals where they, they think that letting people out early taking a psychotic mass murderer like uh, Bernardo and putting him in medium security prison, um, getting rid of bail conditions, that this is compassion. We're going to show this hardened criminal, we're going to give them some breaks, and they're going to turn their lives around. You know what? Maybe that works sometimes. The other times, uh, you're just enabling animals. Well, the reason the liberals reduced those mandatory minimum sentences was um, because they said it was part of their battle against systemic racism, which is, I think is completely outrageous because they're releasing these hardened, violent criminals back to the minority communities that they terrorize. You're 100% right. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, I, I think back to about five years ago, Sheila, we had a very successful program in the Toronto District School Board right. area. It was cops in schools, right? And... Um, the loony left said, oh, this is oppressive. This is, these are symbols of you fill in the blanks. And by the way, a lot of these officers were um, diverse officers, sure. right? You know, they were persons a lot of, of color. You know, a lot of them are cops who came sort of from an underprivileged background who want to give back to help the kids. Right. So we had the whiny, greasy wheel of activists. Yeah. And guess what? You saw black mothers at these school board meetings saying, look, my kid just wants to put his head down and learn 
Okay. He doesn't want to be shaken down at lunch hour for his uh, yeah. lunch money. Right. And uh, no, no, you don't know anything. And these cops were given the boot. And in those at risk schools, it's a bully's paradise. Yeah. They bent the knee to the thugs. And somehow this is the name of uh, the unholy trinity of diversity, inclusion and equity. How? You know, you've got minority students who are being preyed upon yeah. by the bullies. Where's the love? Well, they've replicated what they've done in minority communities now in schools. Yeah. Um, now, I we could probably talk forever, but uh, we, <laughs> I'm just watching the clock here. Yes. I, I wanted to ask you about this desire of certain small businesses, but also big businesses, to hang on to the COVID fear with both hands and. You recently covered a uh, <laughs> comic book store yes. that did this. And I guess before we get into, like, tell us what happened. But I have questions. Comic books used to sort of be on the uh, sort of, you know, they would push the limits. They, I look at pop culture as sort of leading the way and not following. And yet comic books are woke. Yep. Comic movies are woke. It's all just been woke. It, and I think maybe it's part of that, you know, where I always say, I'm not sure we won the Cold War. Like, we just stopped fighting. No, you're right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, well, to give your viewers yeah, Sheila, please go back. Uh, a backstory, it, it's a store on Bloor in, uh, I guess, um, Midtown Toronto called Thunderstruck. And a customer went in. His name is Nathaniel Clavero. And the clerk is Dobromila Calco. Well, anyways, Clavero uh, tried to get into the shop, was unsuccessful because he was not wearing a face diaper. No, um, but what year is this? Exactly. Um, you know, this lady has a lot of comic books and graphic novels. Maybe she should stock a few calendars. Right. It's July 2023. She's in the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it gets surreal. Um, one, uh, and, and people can go to the video that we posted because we went down to the store to try to get her side of the story, which she wasn't interesting, interested in giving, which, which is very odd. She says, you don't have the whole story. I said, well, aren't you making my point? Then you? tell it to Yeah, me. show us your surveillance video yeah. if we got our facts wrong. No. Nope, nope, get out of here. So um, basically what she did is she grabbed uh, Nathaniel's phone, right? And you can hear, it's still recording, and you can hear him on the phone saying, look, just give me my phone and I'll leave your store. And she says, no, nope, I'm calling the cops. Like, lady, on yourself? Because uh, you're, you've confiscated a phone. It gets even more surreal, this... Um, gentleman elderly could be about 80 years old uh walks in and i guess because it's a comic book star sheila he reinvents himself as the cape crusader batman he said he doesn't know who's who in the zoo it's like walking into a movie right. but he's assuming i guess the dynamics male you know v female victim yeah. yeah so he isn't he assumes a linebacker stance and is blocking the door for him to leave which i think might be borderline forcible confinement and uh he says that he's going to make a citizen's arrest Don't right do <laughs> grandpa bought batman anyways a few cops got, by the way the it was pointed out in the comment section that i, I read and i never noticed this at first the good samaritan citizens arrest batman old guy he's not wearing a mask but i guess because he's on her side no no harm no foul he didn't know 
Well, the cops come. They're not wearing a mask either. No problem there. So, you know, because the COVID cooties won't, you know, infect somebody. Your uniform protects you. 100%. And this is 2023. Our chief medical health officer, Kieran Moore, back in March 2022, so almost a year and a half, the mandates were lifted. And, and it's inexplicable, Sheila, because this was the crowd. Follow the science. Follow the science. You know, the... Listen the, to the public health officer. 100%. You're like, I, I am. <laughs> and, and then, oh, he's lifted the mask mandates? Well, I, I'm sure... Uh, this lady knows a lot about selling comic books. I don't think she knows a lot about being a medical doctor, a scientist when it comes to virology, etc. So what makes you take this position of mandating mask on people, especially, I mean, for goodness sakes, we know these face diapers don't work. Yeah. They're non-medical masks, for goodness sakes, right? And again, Sheila, maybe back in 2020 when this Nobody was had a clue we didn't yeah. know what was going on maybe when you wanted to obey the law or the bylaw uh set by the you know social distancing a number of people in yeah. the store at some time wearing masks but that's in the distant rearview mirror why is this person still mandating that and i think you know and this is something our beloved boss ezra levanta said as uh sheila and, and i totally agree with it that I think by this time, if you're clinging to those mandates, if you're still wearing a mask, you're young and you're healthy and you're outdoors or by yourself in your car, it's no longer health and safety. It's no longer trying to, you know, help you know the, the world get rid of a pandemic. It's a political statement. Sure. It's saying, I support big government. I support big lockdowns. I'm compliant. Yes. I support being told what to do. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. And it's shocking. And I'll tell you, uh, there's plenty of comic book shops where Nathaniel can go and bring his business. Um, I'm not wishing ill upon anyone, but one, my key question was, why are you doing this? I never got an answer. Yeah, yeah. People who still wear masks, I jokingly call them NDP lawn signs for your face. <laughs> but really, I know how you voted. You got that thing on your face. You're scowling at me. You're still following the marks that they haven't peeled off the floor of the grocery store. Yep. I know exactly how you voted in this last election. I don't have to guess whose lawn sign you had on your lawn because you still have it on your face. Yes. Now, this... And, oh, and if I may add, yeah. I'm sure if this person, because these people you speak of will also have, if they have a Twitter account the LGBTQ plus flag. Uh, for sure. And their gender pronouns. Oh, and the little like needle emoji <laughs> after their name, like two or three of them. So, you know, they got both jabs and a booster. So, Hashtag boosted. Yeah. yeah. So I know exactly what team you're on. Sorry to interrupt No, you. I was going to ask you, this brings up a greater issue. And I know Olivia's probably like, hurry up, get out of the studio. <laughs> but it brings up a greater issue of like, what the heck happened to comic books and the co entire comic industry, comic movies? It's so relentlessly woke. You, you know, it, is it just the nerds involved? I don't understand. These aren't my people, but they're yours. So well, you, you know what? I, I, I um, it's very hard to find um, reading material in genre. That is not woke. It used um, to be all about, sorry to interrupt you, like masculine men yes. saving the damsel in distress. This is like a, a story of time immemorial yeah. uh, wrapped in like a cool package. 
It's not like that at all. And I don't no. even know what, understand why people read it. No, I, I don't either. And um, the thing is, you know, I, I go back, see, to me, in, in terms of film, right? Because, yeah. you know, the ultimate irony, I think, of comic books these days, Sheila, is that all the ancillary spin-offs, the mega million m movies, right? Mm. The video games, the merchandise, uh, it all dwarfs on a revenue basis, the original medium, you know, the print comic book, right? right? And in fact, I think you see more of an adult population reading comic books than you do of children sure. today. And, you know, Kids it's kind of- don't read. They don't read anymore. It, it's sad. Physical books you know, at all. And, and, and it's a shame. But I can tell you, you know, I look back what I consider to be the gold standard of the superhero movies, and that would be the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. And, uh, you know, I urge your viewers, if they haven't seen it, the third movie, well, they're all good, uh, especially the second and third one, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. But The Dark Knight Rises is probably the most right-of-center superhero movie uh, you could ever see today. And in fact, to such an extent, Sheila, I don't know if that could be made today in Hollywood. And that only goes back, I'm thinking, 11 years. I think yeah. it came out in 2012. So, uh, but, and, and now these were hugely successful movies. So there is a pent-up appetite out there for that. I think Top Gun is an example of this. Oh, the, the, the sequel. The, ex the success of the sequel to Top Gun, it was just straight masculine, no, nothing woke, and it was a box office smash. Yeah, and you know, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun, you're talking about fighter jet pilots. Yeah. Now, the left automatically, you know, the likes of blackface, oh, that's a lot of toxic masculinity. But as I've said to you before, thank God during, you know, the, um, the Korean conflict, World War One, World War Two. Thank God we had toxic mas yeah. masculinity because that's what wins wars for you, right? right? You know, not some kind of transgender agenda um, where goodness knows what it is about. And maybe that's one of the big reasons right now, Sheila, and the Canadian Armed Forces are having yeah. a hell of a time recruiting. Because yeah. basically uh, they're saying, oh, you're a man's man? Yeah, we used to like you. Now we'd prefer if you get in touch with your uh, feminine alter ego. Yeah, uh, it's uh, toxic masculinity wins wars yeah. and sets people free. Sorry, and, it's the way it is. Uh, you know, it's so funny how we've come from like raising the flag at Iwo Jima to like raising the pride flag <laughs> and pulling down the Canadian flag on Canadian military. Or bases. modifying the Canadian flag oh. like Chubb Fire and Security did yeah. to make it a multicolored monstrosity, which is, and by the way, that's another funny thing, isn't it, Sheila? We, we did a story on that. And that's completely verboten to flag etiquette. Yeah. You cannot modify. And, and when they say modify, they're even talking about the length of the two red bars, the size of the maple leaf. Can't monkey around with any of it. And then out of wokeism, this fire and security company in Mississauga, Chubb, decides, oh, well, we're going to paint it seven colors. No, you cannot do it. Why do you think you're doing something good when your goodness is a violation of flag, flag etiquette to begin with. Yeah, I, it just reminds me of the pot leaf flags, like, you know. Oh, sure. The green ones. You know, and someone gets one of those made or buys one. And, sure. And, you're, and you're, you know, it's for your room or you're marching down I Young guess. Street. But when it's the flag on your corporate headquarters, yeah. right, that's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Well, David, um, I could talk to you all day. Oh, know. I would like but, uh, that. But we have a movie premiere to get to. 
That's right. We do. I almost forgot. How could I? Yeah. Uh, we're in Toronto right now. Our tickets are, I think we had two left earlier today for Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity. But we still have showings all across the country. You can go to savethechristians.com and find a city near you and buy your tickets. And I say it every time. Don't wait to buy those tickets because they will sell out. And then you'll be emailing me saying, Sheila, <laughs> help me get tickets. And I can't change the fire code on these buildings. I would love as many people as possible to see our documentary. That's why I'm encouraging you to buy your tickets right now. So it's Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity, savethechristians.com for tickets and showtime. David. Sheila, next time you drop by to Hogtown, like you said, if you can talk to me all day, I would love that. And one of the main reasons I'd love that is it's not going to cost me four ninety nine a minute. Anyway, does anybody actually pay for that stuff? Because that sort of stuff is free at your school library now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They've been those one nine hundred services have yeah, been you don't outsourced. Need to do that. Just go to the school library and check out some weird books. Oh, what a Fine. world! What a, you know what, what the a wicked the wicked witch <laughs> of the West was so prescient you know when Dorothy throws the bucket of water on her and she starts melting because that's what I'm saying every day what a world what a world it's true <laughs> David thanks so Thank much you, for Sheila. coming on the show and taking the time uh you're a fan favorite on my show I always get lots of mail when you're oh on. that's fantastic thank you so much thanks Sheila. David <laughs> stay with me up next I'm reading your emails to me We've come to the portion of the show where we invite your viewer feedback. Unlike the mainstream media, I actually care about what you think about the work that we're doing here at Rebel News. It's why I give out my email address right now. It's Sheila at rebelnews.com. Just put gun show letters in the subject line so that I know that that's what the email is about. And who knows, your email just might end up on air. Or you could leave a comment on one of the platforms wherein you may be watching us, on the censorship platform of YouTube, if you're still over there, or over on the free speech platform of Rumble. Sometimes I go looking for comments and story ideas over there as well. And we wanna hear what you think. So I've got a couple of letters today on the show from last week. I've got one from Aaron Burton, who writes to me on my interview with Gabrielle Bauer, who is an author, uh, with the Brownstone Institute, and we did sort of a long-form sit-down interview on her new book, wherein she talks to the uh, people that the mainstream media told you not to talk to. Um, and Erin writes, sorry, had a busy long weekend. I had a lo busy long weekend too, so I won't hold it against you. And he says, I I'm behind on my Rebel News Plus features, but I just watched your interview with Gabrielle Bauer and wanted to say that it was amazing. Thank you for all your hard work. As always, it is much appreciated. You know, that full interview, if you're not a subscriber to Rebel News Plus and you're watching this currently um, on YouTube, you can just go back and find that interview and watch it for yourself. I, I thought it was great. I thought she was great. Um, she is a former, well, I believe she actually still is, a medical journalist. So she knew from the very beginning that something was kind of weird about all of this. And she sat down and talked to um, just thinkers and, and the people that the medical establishment and the politicians didn't want you to hear the opinions of about the pandemic. I thought it was great. We've got also another letter from Bruce Atchison. He is a regular 
viewer of the show. He does not miss uh, an episode of The Gun Show, and I really appreciate Bruce for that. He lives, if I recall correctly, in Radway, where they have a really excellent um, military surplus store. I'm not sponsored by them, but if you're looking for some military surplus, it's a great store there. But you have to rummage around a little bit. (laughs) Let's keep going. uh, Bruce says, Hi, Sheila. What an absolutely epic show you did tonight, July 5th. So, That is last week's show with my friend Michelle Sterling from Friends of Science. I love Michelle Sterling. Yeah, me too. And her idea of Climate of Hope. Michelle's got a new sub stack. It's called Climate of Hope, where she sort of inspires you to not be afraid (laughs) of the doom and gloom scenarios being preached to you by the climate cultists on the other side. It's anxiety-inducing for our young people, and I think it's deeply damaging to them to have guilt for just existing. It's way too easy to become depressed about all the advances the enemies of our freedom are making. We need hope, and that's what Michelle provides us. She also has a really fun uh, YouTube series where she sort of speaks directly to kids about using kid language and kid-friendly stories. I even think she wrote a children's book or two, just telling little kids to just chill out and nature happens. I must remember all Michelle said about residential schools. That's another pet project of Michelle's. She talks about residential schools and the truth about residential schools. I went to one for deaf and blind students. Wow. I know the loneliness and hopelessness children felt in such situations. And we did have some nasty supervisors who needed supervising themselves. But I did survive that though. I still get bad dreams about the place. Well, that's terrible. All that is to say that white liberals with their savior complex ought to butt out (laughs) and mind their own business. They also must stop egging on the indigenous industrial complex to wring more and more money out of the rest of the country. Yours in Radway, Bruce with one picky putty named Delta. Bruce always signs off (laughs) with a message to me from his cat. You know, I don't think there's any, uh, any use in blaming the children and people of today for the sins and crimes of the people who came before them. I I just don't believe in collective guilt, especially for things that we didn't do and that actually we're actively trying to undo. Um, But also I, I believe that our history is best told accurately. We shouldn't sugarcoat it, but we also shouldn't erase it either. And we have to understand that the people who came before us were products of the time in which they lived. And we cannot judge them by the woke standards of today. And above all else, I hope for our indigenous communities, economic prosperity and success and opportunity, the same as everybody else, the same as every other Canadian. Well, friends, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in from the studio in Toronto. It looks great. I'll see everybody not back here next week, but probably at home or I might even be traveling next week, still showing the documentary. You'll have a show, though. Um, And as always, remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.